coming up on this week's webcast. There is no more room for manual interference. We have to be fully automated and that's only possible with standards and that's across the value chain, whether it's transactions, whether it's clearing and settlement, whether it's asset servings or whether it's regulatory reporting. But that there is a change in mindset uh, for the regulators to say, uh, we're gonna be, we're gonna go a step further uh, and we're gonna actually like define all these regulations in using code. We are seeing a waves of, of regulations covering like from trade reporting to transparency to market data. Um, that's not going to stop. So um, the whole data quality standardization uh, issue, but it needs to be part of your strategic uh, vision uh, of your firm because it has huge implications in terms of your compliance, but also in terms of the resources that you need to put in place. If the regulator's starting to move now and the industry isn't, we're going to have a big disconnect and a big bust up in, in 2026. Welcome to Regcast. 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 Tomorrow's RegTech Radar today. Hello and welcome to episode two, season three of Regcast. I'm PJ DiGiamarino, CEO and founder of JWG. And I am really pleased to be diving into the market data. Rig radars for TradFi and digital assets have really been heating up. We've got both of them on stage on the 22nd of March, and man, is there a lot to talk about. Um, in a nutshell, regulators have shied away from getting their hands dirty in this space for years. Um, the 2018 implementation left a lot to be desired in terms of how all the pre and post trade transparency was supposed to work. Um, and now we have uh, a, a real mess on our hands because the Europeans' dream of transparency has turned into a market data nightmare. Um, it's plagued by extortionate costs and, and very dubious quality. Um, Finborn Researchers is one of the players for consolidated tape uh, provision, uh, looked at 42 million transactions and identified three huge barriers last year. The first one was consolidation and aggregation, this, which is all about this myriad of you know, codes and formats that don't make the consolidation of data in the market very easy. The second big thing they found was the consistency and completeness really varied in terms of how uh, all the data is being populated and, and, and then sent out from the venues. And then coherence in terms of just the incorrect data that's currently out there. And this, this would be bad, but then follow that up with the FCA's uh, wholesale trade data study, which came out yesterday. <laughs> and we find that uh, users are actually paying an awful lot for this data that's not particularly high value. And they're locked into lots of contracts to try to figure out generally how to think about uh, you know, getting a better view of the market. So the focus, really, focus has really shifted from the bad old days of regulators stepping back and hoping these best execution reports would be useful for market clarity to really stepping forward now and thinking about, well, what does it take to get these truly transparent feedback loops between the consumers and the market participants? Yeah, and it's hard to believe it's only March because uh, we already have a, a whole bunch of different consultations underway on the trading perimeter and the, and the tendering process for the tapes for the whole asset management sector. 
Um, and even this week, the UK Parliament, sorry, the European Parliament uh, has backed the whole concept of a consolidated tape, amongst other things. So who better to bring onto the show to warm up the stage for the 22nd of March than an industry data legal stalwart who's been representing the fund industry uh, and has been at many uh, a Boffin and EU expert group and even sits on the, the, the uh, DTI committee. Um, and a guru on financial data standards who's been up to his armpits in digital regulatory reporting. So, Rudy, thank you for joining us today. Can you just quickly introduce what you do? Hey, PG, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here again and um, discussing with you, ultimately with the crowd, um, the uh, upcoming um, events and standards for market data. Uh, I myself, in my day job, a managing director at BVI, which is the German Asset Management Association representing regulated funds and portfolio managers. Uh, we have 140 members managing close to 4 uh, trillion in assets. And um, all of these are digitalized in one form or the other, and therefore market data is a very important um, expense and a base for their existence. Thank you. Mark. Thank you. Thank you, BJ. Um, great to be here today. Um, my name is Mark Ratakos. I'm the managing partner of Trade Header. Trade Header is a consulting company focused on data, uh, financial data, data standards. Um, we work in several initiatives um, around the world in terms of data standardization. We're also developing the digital regulatory reporting project um, for the ISTA membership as well. So um, we're really keen to, to participate in this event um, to be able to expose some of our ideas in terms of transparency and market data. Thank you, Mark. And it's so great to have you here at the party. I know you've been at this for decades. I, I guess let's start uh, with, with the question about the challenges that are, are, are really in our face now. I mean, we're, we're talking about by 2025, we're going to have to implement some of the big shifts that we're talking about. From your point of view, Rudy, what, what, what are the, some of those uh, bigger shifts in the market that are going to hurt most? Yeah, I mean, uh, as briefly mentioned in the introduction, um, the buy side um, is following uh, the sell side in terms of automation based on standards. Um, electronic trading is now the rule in definitely all of equity trading, but also non-equity trading is increasingly um, important on an electronic basis. Um, market access, TradeWeb and Bloomberg are the, the borgs in that area um, and are increasingly market share. So everybody essentially needs to be able to digest data in electronic format with, from various sources. Um, and the regulator is increasingly recognizing that. Um, we have just uh, had a, a agreement in the European Parliament on the MIFID II reform package or MIFID III uh, going forward, which will include a consolidated tape for several asset classes, improvements in the market data um, cost space, um, but also new um, restrictions in terms of using non-exchange trading. Um, furthermore, we have Mika coming on on the purely digital or tokenized asset size, where also uh, the benefits of standardizations are largely still lacking. 
uh, for example, in the area of how to identify a token. Um, that all makes it important that um, the regulators have recognized that um, there is a digital challenge to implement electronic trading, and that is uh, increasingly reflected in the regulation. Um, and uh, we would hope that the Parliament, uh, the Council, and the Commission reaches agreement on MIFID 3 until midst of this year, which would uh, allow implementation indeed by around 2025. Some parts might be quicker. We just heard that the bond CT um, consolidated tape may already uh, come uh, well before that, because apparently ESMA is already considering accepting applications of potential providers um, after the middle of this year. And, and, and could you spell out just a bit what what role will the regulator play in in in? in I mean, if we come if if we come to data, especially trading data, I mean the the law of the land is RTS one for equity data and RTS two for non-equity data. RTS two uh, probably should be specified more into several parts: one for bonds or the, uh, one for derivatives, one maybe for for other um, uh, non-equity instruments. Um, the regulators have already started to do reforms on that, which means addressing those points you mentioned uh, before, consistency, aggregation, uh, completeness, and coherence by providing for more detailed definitions and uh, also in part adding new fields, especially on bond data. Um, furthermore, then the NCAs, the National Competent Authorities, the FCAs, the BAFINs, the CONSOPs in Italy, the AMF in France need to work that actually these standards are also then applied, especially by the banks, who are the main market makers and traders in the bond area. Um, then, um, obviously, uh, the other part of the coin is uh, the cost. And license matter, that is more an equity today than an, a bond issuer. Um, but on the equity side, obviously, the, the existing regulated markets or exchanges have a monopoly position in the sense that they are able, uh, as listing venues, uh, to control largely the uh, trading of their listed instruments and thereby providing the reference price, uh, which in turn is then the main uh, supporter of OTC trading through the re uh, reference price waiver, uh, but on the other hand, gives the exchanges the opportunity to charge for their market data, recognizing that their data is used in external venues, for example, by charging MTFs working on the basis of the reference price waiver or SIs, i.e. banks with a considerable trading business. Um, uh, dealing OTC um, also on these data. And therefore, strengthening Article 13 of MIFIR is important. Article 13 uh, will be strengthened more in the direction that the so-called reasonable commercial basis, which is a soft wording, as we all know, will be more clarified that that should be based on the cost of production of market data and recognizing that market data is a byproduct of the trading nature, thereby limiting the scope of the 
exchanges, for example, and other trading venues to charge overhead and overall costs into the cost of market data production. Yeah. Uh, what still will be missing is um, that the law, unfortunately, still allows so-called value-based pricing, i.e., although the venue only has once the cost of production, they still charge you differently whether you are using the same data, the same feed for trading internally against own account for trading for clients, or if you are a large trading, i.e. an SI, systematic internalizer firm, you charge more. If you are an MTF, you are also charged more. And if you are an index producer with some exchanges like Deutsche Börse, you have even to pay the highest license fees, which is the so-called value pricing. That should be abolished because, again, if RCB is based on the cost of production, the exchange only has once to produce the feed, then can send it out to multiple users yeah. and it not make a difference whether the user, for what purpose the user is using the data. Yeah, and of course, so there's the, those issues are all tightly connected in terms of the RTS 1 and 2 defining the, the, the technical standards for what data is required, but then this new creation of a consolidated tape provider, which is the who needs to think about pulling that all together for the market, but then obviously how much you can charge is a is a key point of that. Mark, from your point of view, I mean, you've seen these data standard issues up close and personally for 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 decades. How do you how do you look at the big challenges here? Yeah, it's interesting, right? I think we are in a in a period of change, um, which is driven by the like some of the aspects and issues that that really just uh, explain, but just. We take back a bit. Like there are a couple of things that um, that are interesting, especially if we have some discussions like that happened like maybe a few years ago. Some of the big statements that some of the people in industry were making was like regulators. Regulators are not gonna provide. I'm gonna define a, spe a specific data format to to actually like report some of these data, right? And we are seeing completely the opposite in the recent years. We are seeing regulators stepping in and defining a particular format for things like trade reporting. Um, so we are moving into a scenario where regulators are being much more, uh, much more prescriptive and specific in the in not also the the data elements they want you to provide um, in trade, but also in, in in data market data, but also the formats um, in which you need to provide that information and that's really interesting because it's a complete change from what the industry was seeing um, a few years ago um, in which the regulator was just leaving that to intermediaries to provide that that format and um, and that's really interesting because if you look at market data right um, that's completely opposite to what we have seen in the past in market data we have seen providers um, some of them using standards like like fix but most of them creating like proprietary data formats um, because of this idea of locking effect or, or whatever, um, in a sense that each one of them was creating the, the particular format for for their clients, and that's that's super expensive as as we know, right? Because each integration requires to define a particular uh, format uh, in the API, and you need like to to spend a lot of money and a lot of time 
to be able to comply with that particular format that the provider is um, is, is providing that information with. So that's that's interesting because in one hand we are uh, we have a force of standardization from from regulatory reporting. In the other, we have seen a market in which, um, to be honest, um, data standards were lacking in terms of, of usage and that's uh for me that's that's really exciting because it seems that we we will need to change the industry what's what's the big impact there i mean i i hear a lot of people scratching their head and saying so what sounds like a bunch of technical stuff but, but what does it actually mean out in the marketplace i think i think it's um i think i i think sometimes um we underestimate the effort to to change some of the processes and systems that people use um, to connect to some of the venues um, and, and get all of the information. Um, just keep in mind, like some of the complexity in the in the processes around that, and the um, the fact that this data it's it's real time. Um, all the technical aspects of that. So switching from from one format to to another is is not trivial um, and requires investment. And we are in a situation where I mean, like we know, like resources are limited, especially. Um, nowadays, with all the regulations coming up, um, so I think it's 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 a challenge. I don't think it's something that is just like trivial and, and change one one day to another. I think it will require investment and it will require change, uh, like in in the systems um, for all the firms. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I guess Rudy, you highlighted some of the impact of the, the commercial side of that change. But what what's the regulator's role? there beyond commercial in terms of quality and the arbiter of what good looks like yeah i mean what we have seen in the debate leading to the uh, potential advantages of a consolidated tape is indeed that um, uh, regulators have admitted that usually um, similar to what mark was saying they are not pay, uh, paying too much attention to the technical nitty-gritty implementation of these data standards today that certainly has changed or the capacity at some regulators is still lacking to follow up on a day-to-day -day basis. But even if the regulators put more emphasis on actually making sure that especially banks in the bond area where the data quality is lacking most, corporate bonds, um, that they really follow up, I would say, ideally on a daily basis, but definitely perhaps on a weekly basis, so that overall data quality improves. They, they will always only do that for the subjects under their control, i.e. the Dutch AFM will only police Dutch banks, the German Buffin only German banks. So still, even if they would all do it to the same effect and the same direction, you will have difference between the Dutch interpretation and the German interpretation. So coherence will still be lacking. Therefore, we advocated and many other on the sell side that the consolidated tape would be indeed because it's driven by real-time data, has to monitor data quality personally, would give a the regulators, or better, the supervisory agencies, a joint view where the problems arise and then enable them to go back to their own subjects and may have to change a certain practice um, in order to achieve a common European coherent data reporting. That could be one advantage of the consolidated tape because they would have the commercial provider constantly feeding this information on lack of data quality into the supervisory space, either directly to the uh, national uh, uh, supervisory agency concerned or through ESMA, 
and thereby improve data quality on a daily basis because that's what we're really lacking. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I guess that you never have just one problem, right? So it's a quality, cost, or time. We haven't dug much into time, but Mark, I think that's a key, key issue here, right? So if you're trying to solve this problem, one of the things you have to do is do it quickly. And that requires much, much better tooling than what, what we've got today. Why don't you tell people how you know the DRR work would approach helping that? Yeah, that's what we're hoping as well, um, BJ, is that um, the consolidated tape in, in Europe and, um, and and all these initiatives like spur the um, the, the use of um, not using regulations just like as a as a PDF with a bunch of text and fields that need to be reported, but that there is a change in mindset uh, for the regulators to say uh, we're gonna be we're gonna go a step further. Uh, and we're gonna actually like define all these regulations in using code, right? And this is the whole idea about digital regulatory reporting. It's this idea of, of generating the regulations uh, as code so that firms can implement uh, in an open way. So we don't have to do the same regulatory project in each one of the firms, right? So if like the firm, the asset managers uh, need to implement a regulation in let's say market data, um, each one will have the same questions and then the same issues facing that project. So instead of doing that by themselves, they create some sort of mutualized effort um, in which they can share the issues, they can share the experiences they have and generate um, an actual implementation of the regulation that that is implementable, that is can be kind of implemented in as a code. And that will be ideal that it's not only an effort that's being done by the banks and the asset managers and the and the vendors, but also regulators actually take that as a as as part of the uh, of their solution um, that they provide as part instead of sending a PDF with a thousand pages that they actually define that regulation as as code. And I think that's the ultimate goal of the whole digital reporting. We are doing that in the context of trade reporting right now. Um, we did that for CFTC, we are doing that for EMIR, and we'll do that for the Asian Pacific jurisdictions that are coming up because there is a lot of reusability. So what we're seeing is that um, by implementing CFTC trade reporting, we are um, also uh, implementing the 40, about 50% of the of the rules in EMIR already. We have that implemented just by reusing what we have for CFTC. And that's and we anticipate much more reusability across across the um, other jurisdictions. And we think this idea is not only applicable for trade reporting, but also can be applied to other reports like uh, market data or any sort of transparency uh, information that needs to be provided. So I think it's it's scalable to other areas of financial reporting, not only trade reporting. And we see huge advantages in terms of cost savings for the firms because they can mutualize the effort and not do the projects by themselves, which are very expensive, to be honest. Yeah, um, and, and you know the, the collaboration that's been going on is is fantastic. We we're pleased to have been playing a role in getting this moving over, over the past five years. Um, but what strikes me is is that in order to get the benefit, you know, the, the code isn't going to maintain itself, and and it needs and it's not going to bless itself. It it, it needs it needs buy in from from the regulators. And with derivatives, you have this great advantage, right? All the regulators actually agreed a common definition of a bunch of their fields. And that That's gave right. people the business case to say, okay, big bank A and big bank B, you can sit down globally and sort this out. 
Rudy, from your conversations with the, you know, within the, some of the committees you've been sitting on with the, in Europe, um, do you do you see the same kind of appetite to to engage in this kind of model and 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 get to a place where the whole industry agrees around these these new data standards? I mean, certainly with DRR and so on, JWG and 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 the sponsors um, are are certainly ahead of the curve. Uh, at least from my buy side experience, most people are still working uh, on on the basis. How can we improve the next Excel spreadsheet to have a workaround for our existing uh, reporting to maybe cater for um, email reporting, which Mark correctly mentioned. Um, uh, people are yelling, oh, well, now we have to implement ISO 20 or two messages if, if this would be something really new. Um, so uh, the lack of the lack of investment the lack of attention by senior management, uh, especially to data standards, data issues, is really evident. Um, at least uh, I would presume outside large banks, which I don't uh, represent. Uh, so we have a long, long battle ahead of us. Uh, we at BBI are personally engaged in favor of ISO 20022 messaging because of the unstandardized situation back in fund processing since 2002 and still ISO 20022 is not the standard for securities trade messaging at SWIFT because of the resistance of a large part of the community. So uh, that hopefully doesn't, uh, uh, isn't bad news for DRR, um, uh, but we certainly uh, need to work more. And I'm always a little bit a, a believer in that if we get some regulatory nudging um, which would help DR implementation that obviously makes the industry move faster because uh, based on more than 20 years of working in a trade association, my members usually do not react until it's six months before implementation date and then they will do something. And the unfortunately, the message since uh, nearly five years now is, oh, we don't have any uh, monies for implementation, new kinds of uh, reporting not required by the regulator. So um, there is uh, some hope because DR essentially will first be used in the context of regulation uh, and regulatory reporting that we indeed can push forward automation based on standardization in this way. And what, what's, the, what's the one message you're looking to get across on the 22nd of March that people should tune into? It's the end of workarounds. Digitalization must be based on standards supporting automation. That is true for the regulatory reporting space, but there we are not really dealing with timely issues. It's still correct if you do it in the day. But with T plus one coming on in the US and uh, starting discussion of T plus one uh, also in the EU and in the UK, um, there is no more room for manual interference. We have to be fully automated and that's only possible with standards and that's across the value chain, whether it's transactions, whether it's clearing and settlement, whether it's asset servings or whether it's regulatory reporting. That would be my main message. Fantastic, Mark. I agree with Rudy. I, maybe I will add to that, um, that in general, I think firms will need to be much more proactive to this um, 
related to to the point we were discussing before um i think firms so far have been very reactive on all these uh, issues i think they need to be much more proactive um in a sense that this is not going to stop right so we are seeing a waves of of regulations covering like from trade reporting to transparency to market data um, that's not going to stop so um the whole data quality standardization uh, issue it's cannot be treated as a just a reactive project that we do every once and then when we have a new regulation but it needs to be part of your strategic uh, vision uh, of your firm because it has huge implications in terms of your compliance but also in terms of the resources that you need to put in place to be able to to deliver that and i think that needs to that's some of the major i think messages i would like to to, to bring to the table for for the upcoming event well, thank you both. Those are excellent messages. I would only echo that, you know, you, you need to get ahead of this. It may seem like 2025 is a long way away, but these projects take time. And, and you know, ultimately, if the regulator's starting to move now and the industry isn't, we're going to have a big disconnect and a big bust up in, in 2026. Um, so without further ado, I thank you very much for your participation here today. And, and thank you for uh, helping us on the 22nd of March where everyone can dial in. Uh, we will, of course, uh, send around details and put links in, but uh, it's as ever, jwg-it.eu and uh, take you to the event website. Um, thank you for liking uh, this podcast, whatever channel you pick it up on. It helps other people find it. And uh, we look forward to putting out a few more before the 22nd of March. Thanks very much. You can download the podcast via Spotify, Apple and Google, but also I'd encourage people to come to the JWG website, which as hopefully you will know is jwg-it.eu. Go to the Intelligence Hub and create your bespoke library. This is Redcast. Tomorrow's RegTech Radar today.